Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. Now, what is success? Well, many people may define it financially, others politically, still others as contentment. But what is it really? If you're like about 100% of the other people in this world, you've had plans go awry at some point in time. You've had some major setbacks. You've had some things turn out completely different from your goals that you had set going in. Is this because you did something wrong? Is this because the world was stacking the odds against you? Not all the time anyway, no. So how do we define success? Well, to answer that question, our guest today says that Great personal growth only comes as a result of great challenge in our lives. For 28 years, John J. McKay has been a student of success, building and leading data analysis teams at a big four firm with a Fortune 100 corporation, and also working at the office of the Inspector General in Washington, D.C. One day while commuting from Chicago to D.C. to work for the OIG, he had an epiphany that uncovered the underpinning of all success. That epiphany led him to write the book, Leverage the Field of Success, Using Quantum Reality to Succeed in the Corporate World, which details how to use the core dynamics of quantum energy, the quantum energy field, expansion and balance, to achieve higher levels of success. Now, this is going to be a truly interesting interview for sure. Help me welcome to the program, John J. McKay. John, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the program and share with us today. I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is John J. McKay? Right. So um, first and foremost, I am a data analyst. That's what I've been doing for 20 years. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, over 25 years now. Um, so in all kinds of capacities across industries, um, different types of companies, obviously. Um, but in terms of as a person, I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida, uh, and in the Bay Area until I was about 12. Uh, and then we moved to Saudi Arabia. Wow. And we were there for a couple of years while my father worked for uh, one of the oil companies there. And then we were in Bahrain, which is a little desert island in the Persian Gulf. It's been in the news for one reason or another. Um, over the years, uh, we, we were there for five years, and that's where I graduated from high school. Got my undergrad from uh, University of Florida, uh, and then went to work uh, for a bank, a uh, regional bank in Orlando, uh, where I discovered something that surprised me, and that was that I was very interested in how businesses made their money. Uh, and so I, I took that sort of curiosity and decided to go back to school and got my MBA. Uh, and then after the MBA, I was hired by um, big four firm Price Waterhouse, which then I guess was big six. 
eventually became PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC. Uh, I was with them for 17 years uh, in Chicago, Tampa, Switzerland for three years, and then I finished back in Chicago. So that was a fun, fun ride. Um, and then I worked for um, in sales for a year and uh, didn't enjoy it and wasn't very good at it. And that's why it only lasted a year. Uh, so then I decided to try uh, to strike it on my own. And that ended up with uh, doing contracting at uh, for the Office of Inspector General down in D.C. Cool. And it, that's where I was commuting back and forth 100% between Chicago and D.C. Um, and one morning in the, in the corporate apartment down there, um, stumbled into the shower half asleep and had this sort of brain dump is what I call it. All these sort of ideas and concepts that were just kind of flooding into my head. And I scrambled out of the shower and started scribbling them all down um, on whatever I could find, you know, junk mail envelopes, scratch sheets, paper, anything. Um, finished getting ready for work, went off to work, kind of felt different the whole day. Like it was just in a different place. Kind of like when you come out of a deep prayer and you're in this really relaxed sort of other kind of state. Uh, it was kind of like that the whole day, just this underlying residual feeling. But I left work that day on time. I don't. I usually work late a little bit. But I left on time and raced home and looked at all that scribble and decided to consolidate it. And so I put it on a, on a blank sheet of copy paper, white copy paper. I consolidated all the ideas down into just a list of 11. And I stood back and looked at those 11 concepts and I said, wow, these could be chapters of a book. And I immediately pushed that list away and, uh, and went and got a pint of ice cream and channel surfed the rest of the night. <laughs> uh, because I'm a data analyst. And when you think data analyst, you probably think math and data and patterns and puzzles and we like tough challenges. Um, writing is not our go-to activity. It's not what we jump, jump up to go do. And uh, so I was, um, it was an odd experience. Wake up the next morning and I'm getting ready for work. And um, I decided to look at the list of 11 concepts to say, okay, let me see. If these are crazy ideas, then I'll just chalk it up to an odd experience and, and move on. So I looked at the list of 11 concepts right before I was walking out the door. And I was like, you know what? This makes a lot of sense. You're like, this is good. And so right there, I decided to commit to writing for 30 days and ended up taking about five years before it was finally published. <laughs> um, but it was, it's been, it's been quite the journey. You know, I enjoyed writing the book. I still enjoy writing articles occasionally. Um, enjoy obviously speaking on the topic. Um, and I built that nifty little quiz as well um, that, that, um, that maybe we'll talk about a little bit later. It's yeah. neat. And then it, performs a kind of assess assessment and recommendation, which for any of your listeners that are consultants, you're probably thinking, oh, no, he's going into consultant speak. But um, but I just, I really enjoy speaking and writing on the topic. Amen. Well, you know, I, I've heard of, you know, quantum mechanics, quantum physics, but right. what is this quantum field to which you refer yeah, so and to, to, so your listeners are aware I'm not going to get technical. I am not a quantum physicist. Um, um, but what it essentially comes down to three concepts, and that is, number one, 
if you've ever heard of particle smashers, you know, there's the big one in Geneva that everyone talks about, but there's also one just south of Chicago as well. Uh, the purpose of those particle smashers is to, is to collide particles, the tiniest known physical objects in our, in our universe, in our world, to figure out what's underneath them. And what they discovered is underneath the tiniest of particles are just energy waves. And, and they're energy waves that we're still trying to figure out because they, they have some wacky principles. Um, but what we do know about energy waves, uh, not at the quantum level, but just in our regular world, is that um, when two energy waves intersect, they exchange information. So imagine you have one wave that has a bunch of letters and another wave that has a bunch of numbers. Well, when these two waves intersect, the wave of letters now has numbers and the wave of numbers now has letters. And this isn't theory. This is a well-established, you know, sort of classic physics fact. Um, so when you consider that, at, that at the base of all, everything that's material in our world, you know, whether we're talking about our bodies, the table we're sitting in front of, or the floor underneath us. Um, the bottom of all that physical matter are just tiny energy waves. Well, that means that everything, all those waves are intersecting all the time, forming a kind of large pat patchwork of energy waves, you know, forming one massive sort of soup of, of electromagnetic energy. Um, in fact, it's interesting when you see interviews of quantum physicists, when they get to this part, their eyes kind of glaze over because they're, you know, and they'll say something like, you know, you know, what we think is real is not really real. You know, like this physical thing, it's not really physical. It's really just energy. And um, uh, they have a hard time explaining it. You know, it sounds odd, sounds strange, but it's, you know, that is the reality. The other thing is that communication within the quantum field is instantaneous. So um, they, if you took two electrons and you put one of them down in Australia and the other one, I don't know, in, in Chicago, uh, these electrons will spin in the same direction because they were taken from the same atom, right? So suppose they're spinning clockwise. Well, if, if down in Australia they change it and they start spinning it counterclockwise, the one in Chicago will immediately start spinning counterclockwise, immediately. And they've tried measuring the gap in time, and they can't. We don't have any instruments that can get tight enough to, to, to distinguish a gap. And this is what's called entanglement. Um, so if you hear that phrase, it essentially means you know, two things that are, that are essentially electromagnetic, magnetically entangled. Um, there's even stories of twins you know, who have... You know, one twin breaks his leg and the other twin's leg breaks at the same instant. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating concept. Um, but so you got three things. The base of all physical matter is energy. These energy waves intersect and exchange information. And communication within the field is instantaneous. And so with these three things, what, that, what it means is each one of us, every single instant, is connected to this unlimited resource, right? So, and we are always sending and receiving electrical signals with this massive field of energy. 
And so as a business person uh, or as a pastor, you would think, okay, well, if I'm connected to this thing all the time, how can I take advantage of it? Essentially, all resources are available to me, not just people, but things, you know, all kinds of stuff. So how can I take advantage of this? How can I use this to my advantage, to my benefit? Um, And that's that's the real question. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I wanted to get to this part about where I read, you know, the quantum field's core dynamics is expansion and balance. What does that mean? Can you explain it for us? Yes, yes. So, um, and the, these the two these are the two core dynamics of the quantum field, and it's what the, what's most important to the field. Let me put it that way. Right. So, if you want to take advantage of the field, you need to understand these dy- dynamics. Why? Just think about your boss. Right. If you have a boss and you want to get a good race in the boss, you want to align your goals and your direction with your boss. You can't go off into right field doing something completely different. Your boss is not going to give you a big raise, right? Yeah, right. They're going to say, hey, you need to get in line. So if you align yourself with your boss, you knock your goals out of the park, and you help your boss achieve their goals, then at the end of the year, that boss is going to pound the table for you to get that big raise, right? The same with the field. You understand the goals of the field. And you work and you get yourself aligned with that. You work to help the field achieve its goals. Then it will support you in your journey to to success, uh, whatever that success looks like for you. And so it's number one goal is expansion. That's where expansion comes in. So everything in the universe expands, right? Uh, Bacteria, viruses, coronavirus, unfortunately, is is a great example. Um, Plants, animals humans obviously and even the universe itself yeah. uh, our sun our sun is expanding but the universe itself is expanding right um everywhere in all directions uh, and that's another topic that freaks out scientists but we'll, we'll leave that off the table for now um so that's expansion everything ex- wants to expand right that is the main driver of the universe of, of this quantum field um what it wants it, you know it um the physical, physical structure of the field. The other thing is balance. If you think about um, a farmer, if a farmer wants to plant seeds, they're not going to plant them in dry soil and soil that's soaked and, and, and flooded. They're going to look for soil that is in a perfect state of balance so that seed can sprout and, and reach maximum yield, right? Uh, and that's why balance is so important to the field, because in anything, if you want to achieve a maximum expansion, ideally, you want to start from a place of balance. OK, so if you take your workplace, if your workplace is out of balance, it's going to be hard for you to achieve maximum expansion until you can rebalance your team and get them working uh, collaboratively. Right. In a, in a healthy, balanced fashion. You're not going to be able to reach full expansion because your team's not in a balanced state. Athletes, same thing. You know, an athlete can't get four hours of sleep and go out partying the night before a big match, right? They need to hydrate. They need to stretch. They need to get sleep. They need to be in balance. Um, and businesses, if you're a manufacturer, if your suppliers are out of balance, you can't get your, your materials to make your stuff and then distribute it. You need your suppliers to get everything to you on time. You need your employees to show up. Your employees to show up for work. 
you need the equipment to work uh, help you know properly, and you need your distribution network to, to to flow as well. That needs to be in balance. When that's in balance, that manufacturing plant can hit maximum capacity, maximum expansion. So, um, so when you understand these two dynamics and that they're going on all the time around us, then you be, you can begin to align your activities. And the way you would do that from an expansion perspective is it's simply focusing on things that you're drawn to. Right. So if you're in a job that you're not happy with and you, you always want to try this other job, well, you know, follow that, follow that flow. Right. And go do that. That is probably a nudge from the field. The field's not going to tell us what to do. Right. Because the, the quantum field wants expansion. And if it gives you the answer, how are you, how are you, how are you growing? How are you learning? Right. But the field might give us a nudge. Like said, you know, maybe try this. And so do the things that you're drawn to, whether that means leaving your job or focusing on the thing in your job that you like to do most and talking with your boss about, hey, how can I do more of this? Uh, Because this is what I really like doing. Okay. Well, how Uh, does those three things, the field that you talked about, the expansion and the balance, relate to spirituality as a whole and the Christian faith in particular? Well, it, it, um, there's so many examples in the New Testament. Um, you know, w- one of the ones that you know jumped out jumps out to me is the parable of the sower, mm-hmm. where the seeds are are sown on on sort of rocky soil. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly the three, but the, I think it's, yeah, it's rocky soil where the seeds might bloom if they do it all. They might bloom, but they'll bloom quickly and they'll perish quickly because of the sun and lack of lack of roots. The ones that are among the thorns, you know, they're getting choked out by the thorns. Um, and then the ones that land in balanced soil that grow and are very fruitful. Um, that's a great example for two reasons. One is it illustrates the field itself. Right. So you might be aware of the field, but you might not choose to interact with it, which is fine. You might be aware of the field and want to do something, but choose to surround yourselves with either uh, people or work or distractions that sort of prevent you from marching forward. Right. You know, it's there and you want to do it, but you're these distractions or these choices are, are keeping you from from really blossoming. Um, and then there's a third, which is being in balance and obviously blossoming fully. Um, so that, and that's from the field perspective. It's not, in a way it's like a, it's like a blueprint. Yeah. It's like a roadmap that says balance is important when you're in balance and you're healthy, you will be productive. Uh, and that means not just you, but your, your environment, you know, you know, everything you do, more you work to be, to, to produce that fertile soil, the more you're going to yield. Uh, but the other thing I like about that is Jesus, Jesus is frustrated. Um, and the reason why I, that really strikes a chord with me is because, you know, he had, I, I personally think Jesus had some kind of intuitive understanding that everything was energy and that there was this thing called the quantum field. Obviously that the vocabulary wasn't there then. 
but um, I think intuitively knew that this was the reality. This is it. And so in his mind, he was trying to figure out the best way to articulate that through story to say, look, everything is connected. You know, pay attention because this is reality. So it, you almost get the sense like, it, like, you know, in his frustration, when you start looking at it through that lens, all those times that Jesus was frustrated whether with, is with his own disciples or the Pharisees or whoever was challenging him. It was like, look, guys, this is, this is it. This is not philosophy. This is the way. Um, and then, of course, that's, that's reflected in, you know, love your enemy as yourself. Right. If we go back to the dysfunctional work situation that's out of balance and you want to work on getting that in balance, that's important. It's important for you so you can reach your maximum expansion. But it's important for each one of those folks as well. You don't have to talk about the field as you go about rebalancing that team and getting them to a healthy state. But what you're doing is you're helping them become balanced. And when you do that, they're going to be more expansive that makes sense they're right they're going to be more successful so and you may not like everybody on that team that you have to work with to get it in balance but you know that this is the way it works let me try it out and see what happens and so when you go forward and you work with those people who you may not even like that much you you know it's fruitful you're more collaborative you're going to be more productive yeah and that leads directly to you know a story like the good samaritan you know, the Samaritan stopped to help someone who had been robbed and beaten when others wouldn't, even though I believe the other, the person that was robbed and beaten was from a rival tribe, basically, mm-hmm. rival clan. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, they stopped and helped him. And, and that's, again, illustrates the connected the connectedness of everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So from yeah. Jesus' perspective, we're all one. Yeah. And, we all, and, and we need to learn how to grow and expand together collaboratively, even your enemies. And that's, so that's where scripture came out where he said, you know, give and it'll be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And then it says, and running over men shall give into your bosom. Yeah. And so that's, you know, a lot of people, when they read that, they read it all together. But if you actually segment it out like that, it makes sense. Give, and we'll give and be given to you again, but not just what you give, because now you're blessing others. That's going to be in turn blessing upon blessing, multiplied over, given. And it says, and running over, men will give into your bosom. Right. So exactly. It's that interconnectivity right here. Yeah, it it is the kind of um, um, authentic quality that people are attracted to, you know, people are, they want to work with you. Right. And if you're and they, on the opposite pole of that, if you're stingy, you know, with everything, then the opposite would also be expanding in that direction, I guess, according to your field that, you know, it's going to withhold from you as well. Right. Right. So the field does not support destruction mm-hmm. and, um, because if if you're if you're abusing even one other person, you're hindering their creativity, right? Their their op- their their chance or their opportunity to expand themselves. Um, 
And that's, that's not what the field wants. But you right? also and say so, that the, the only constant in this world is change. What based upon what we talk about, you know, the field expansion balance, if change is the constant, the only constant, then would you define those three as variables in the equation? No. No. Not not exactly. I would define them as the orchestrators. Mm. They are the drivers. They um the field knows that you will grow more through challenge than if you're spoon fed. Right? So it's just like the toddler that, you know, you tell them not to touch the stove and they end up touching it anyway and they figure out, oh, that's hot. And by golly, they're never going to touch the stove again. Right, right. Right. Lesson learned, even though they were told the lesson. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's the same with the field. The field, you know, and I don't know what the field exactly is, but this this driving dynamic of expansion is paramount. Mm -hmm. And we expand most when we have to struggle with things and overcome things, even in our educational system. There's, you know, started at, at uh, the the um, the best MBA schools. I mean, I'm actually, I may have started with Harvard. But project-based learning is something that um, school, that's now down to element, some elementary school levels. Not for the whole curriculum, but for certain, you know, parts of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Where they don't actually teach the concepts. They give the kids, the students, projects. And, and the students have to figure out how to complete the project. And they end up learning the mathematical concepts or the, whatever it is as they complete the project. So, um, and that, and the studies are showing that students retain their knowledge better that way. Oh yeah. And that's why the schools are starting to shift to that and go, gosh, how can we, how can we do this more? And so, change is by design. It it is the formula, you know. And because everybody's growing, expanding, things are always changing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, I don't have I don't have any theological proof of this, but my understanding based on all of this is that each one of us, the reason we're here is to learn and to grow, Amen. period. Mm -hmm. And um, and the field is going to set us up for that. Yeah. Uh, particularly when you intentionally are aware of the field and its dynamics of expansion and balance. Let's think about it. If you if you want to rebalance that team, for example, that dysfunctional team, and you're doing it because you want to make your goal of expansion, maybe you're the leader of the team, but even if you're a member, either way, you want to be most productive, and so you know you need to take care of this dysfunction. If you're doing that intentionally, well, the field obviously knows it, right? Because everything's connected. Um, and so when the field sees someone being a catalyst of expansion and balance, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to support that individual even more, which means more growth, more change, and more growth, and more change, and so on. So, um, Does the field, like, let me just use the analogy of closing a door. Like, you're going in one direction, and then all of a sudden a door closes, more or less forcing you to seek out another door. Is that a, an analogy that would relate to what we're talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
if you know it, it's easy to fall into a depression when something like that happens oh, yeah. you know, it's a door that you expected to, to walk through mm-hmm. uh, however when you understand these dynamics of the fields the field it alters your perception and it's then like oh wait what's going on here you know something i need to pay attention because something else is in is coming in my journey and i need to have my eyes open my ears open and pay attention to what's going on around me and what i'm drawn to for my next chapter in life yeah um, but i understand that you you've had a yeah a life experience yeah. you Someone, you asked you know prior to the recording uh, you know, if there was a time in my life when basically everything was turned upside down and that had ended up being one of the biggest turning points in my life, uh, I sent the information to you. So you're aware of it. So I'll just summarize it. My, my audience has heard the story several times that, uh, you know, ever since I was 15 years old, the only thing I want to do is make the military a career. That was it. That was my, my driving ambition, you know, and, uh, and I was good. You know, I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed basic training. I mean, that's how warped I was. Okay. <laughs> I just loved doing all them push-ups and everything. You know, <laughs> didn't not so much at the time, but you know, at the same time, I enjoyed the the process and, and the, how it was shaping me, you know. But uh, you know, and I just thrived in that environment. You know, I I mean I was promoted ahead of my peers, uh, you know. When they sent me to the NCO Academy, I was the first person in the history of the 8th U.S. Army NCO Academy to get a 100% rating all the way through the course, you know, for the whole 38 days. Uh, the unit, because of that, they sent me up as NCO the quarter. I took, you know, the unit, battalion, brigade, I-Corps, uh, one NCO the quarter, all that. Then, like, three or four months later, it was the NCO of the year competition where all the quarters went for the mm-hmm. competition. And I, you know, battalion brigade, I Corps as NCO of the year for all of them went to eighth U S army. And I had a slide projector for my five minute presentation and a slide projector back then was high tech. Okay. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. even had a higher tech. I had the little attached uh, button, you know, the like 10 foot. So I could stand away uh-huh. from the projector and push the button. I mean, it was really high tech. Yeah. Me. Yeah. And uh, there's like 14 slides on it. And one of the slides that worked perfect in all the rehearsals, all of the boards up there. And here I am at 8th U.S. Army, and one slide jammed. So I just walked up, you know, like we used to do, slap it, and we're good to go, right? And gave the rest of the presentation. Well, the three members of the board deducted one point each because of the malfunction. I lost by one point. I took second place, right? So I was supposed to be the yeah. NCO of the year for the entire Korea, Japan, the whole thing. And uh, wow! But you know, it was still good. And uh, because of that, I was selected to be a drill sergeant. And you know, during the course of time, they have to have their you know each unit has to submit a drill sergeant for the same thing, drill sergeant of the quarter type board. And I won that for our battalion. Uh, Department of the Army was opening up Fort Eustis, Virginia with a drill sergeant program and they were taking people from all over all the different installations to 
more or less man the requirements for Fort Eustis. I was the only person selected from Fort Bliss to go over there. So, I mean, all these things were, you know, I mean, I was the highest you go in the army is Sergeant Major E9. I was already E6 and, you know, my, basically every button was pushed. You know, I was, I was doing well. Right. Right. One day though, as I was finishing my third year on drill sergeant status, which that's all you can do. Uh, otherwise they're, they're worried that you're going to have a warped mind for the rest of your life. Uh, but one day I was sitting there looking at the, the pay tables that would just come out for you know the coming year. I noticed that a sergeant major made $500 less than a captain who had four years or more enlisted time. And, you know, $500 back in the 80s, that's like, say, $1,000 today. I said, wow, that's quite a difference. And yeah. back in that time, all of, you know, if you were looking at you, it's like getting PFC in the enlisted, right? You were going to, you know, it's automatic. You just put in your time, it's automatic. Unless you get caught doing something stupid, like, you know, get caught with the general's daughter or something. But, uh, you know, so I said, well, shoot. I might as well, you know, I timed it out because I knew I only had an associate's degree. Uh, I knew I wouldn't make major because one of the requirements for majors, you had to have a bachelor's. And I mean, I could take it, but I'm, I'm looking, you know, do I really want to go that route? Uh, and I had it timed out the way the promotion boards work that captain, you get two chances, uh, six months apart. And, but you can't do it till three years in. So this is already, by the time I got my commission, I'd be at nine years. So three years put me at 12. Then there's a year wait while they work through the list and get people promoted and then send them to basically the advanced courses, basically captain school. Uh, so that put me at year 13. Then I'd have to wait three more years before I could be selected for major. And that puts me year 16 and there's two year. There's only one major board each year. So that means that year 16, I would be selected, not make it year 17, be selected, not make it. Well, by that time I would have 18 years in and the way the regulations read at the time, if you're at 18 years, then you're retained until you hit your 20 and out you go. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, I had it timed out. I mean, this was going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, was yeah. perfect, you know. And uh, so I applied for officer candidate school, was selected, and, uh, you know, did well. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I had four merits the very first week of officer candidate school. You know, that, uh, one wow. merit erases two demerits, right? So I had mm-hmm. four merits to my credit just after the first week. And, you know, the, the TAC officer is like, nobody gets four merits here in one week. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that, that I thrived in that kind of right. right. And uh, long story short, I no sooner raised my right hand, received my commission, and they started talking about, we got too many people in the Army. You know, we, we got to look at possible reduction in force. Well, that was 1986. By 1989, they were looking at, we're going to go ahead and implement this reduction in force. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're at the time of today's portion of this 
great interview with John J. McKay. As John's been sharing information with us that I'm pretty sure most of you have not heard used before in business or ministry outreach or growth. And that's the quantum field and how all of it relates to the expansion and growth that really we're all looking for. Amen? I'm telling you, I've heard some things so far that I have not heard before, but they all make complete sense as he explains them. Amen? Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Glory to God. In fact, you need to be sure you come back for the very next episode because John's going to go even deeper into our discussion and share some things that will just absolutely astound you. Glory to God. Till then, be sure to drop down on the show notes, reach out to John, and make sure you order his great book, Leverage the Field for Success. Amen. Till next time, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you.